Let us be attentive. Make your vows to the Lord our God and perform them. God is known in Judah. His name is great in Israel. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's second letter to Timothy. Let us be attentive. Timothy, my son, you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings, which befell me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, yet them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceivers and deceived. But as for you, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you for the salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Peace be with you, the reader. Thank you. arise let us hear the holy gospel peace be with you all the reading is from the holy gospel according to saint luke let us be attentive said this parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humble. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The little animal, the ermine, is a short-tailed weasel that has a very unique feature of having its fur change to a snow-white color in the wintertime. God created this animal with this feature in order to protect it from others. This ermine instinctively protects his white coat against anything that would potentially soil it. For hunters in northern Europe and and Asia, they take advantage of this unusual feature of the ermine. They don't set a snare to catch him. Instead, they find his home, his lair where he lives, which is usually a cleft in a rock or a hollow in an old tree. They smear the entrance and the interior of its home with all sorts of filth and grime. Then the hunters set their dogs loose to find and to chase it. The frightened animal flees towards home but will not enter it because of that filth that's in it now. Rather than soil its white coat, he is trapped by the dogs and captured while preserving his purity. For the ermine, purity is more precious than life. But at the same time, by such a death, the ermine wins its battle of trying to keep itself clean. It has managed to preserve the purity of its fur as its final offering to this world. It is because the ermine engages itself in a lifelong battle of preserving its purity that such a death translates actually into its ultimate victory. In like manner, brothers and sisters, our Christian life is a battle to preserve that very purity, that whiteness, that cleanliness we received at Holy Baptism. As we read in the epistle of St. James, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. In a battle well fought in this life to keep ourselves unsullied by the world, we too can view death as the ultimate victory. We frequently hear of fasting, of prayer, almsgiving, as a means unto holiness. But during the Orthros service, the early morning service before divine liturgy, we hear that to be holy in the way that God himself is holy by nature means to be pure and undefiled in the way that, again, by nature, God is pure and undefiled. We chant in the 50th Psalm, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be made clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Therefore, the preservation of this purity is exactly the goal of fasting, the goal of prayer, the goal of charity and almsgiving. By fasting, we purify our bodies from so many of the rich foods we consume and from the passions. By prayer, we purify our hearts and our minds by constantly thinking about God, 
by almsgiving, we purify our hearts from every attachment to worldly things and possessions. But ultimately, because of the fall, man could never entirely preserve his purity from sin and thus deliver himself from the bondage of death. This complete purification for sins and deliverance from death could have only been brought about, of course, by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. According to St. Paul in the Epistle to the Hebrews, purification for sins encompasses all of Jesus' earthly ministry. That is what the Apostle talks about in the Old Testament worship in the earthly sanctuary into which the high priest went once a year for the purification of the sins of the people of Israel. That sanctuary, however, was but a shadow, a type, a foreshadowing of the virgin's womb into which the true high priest the Son of God, entered to take on flesh and blood from her most immaculate body so that with the body he might offer himself on the cross for our sins and for our purification once and for all. The incarnation of the Word, the rushing in of the kingdom of God, the miracles, the cross, the resurrection, the gift of eternal life, all these events collapse into one deed, the purification of our sins. Christ's work as a man was to deal decisively with the problem of human sin. He made purification for sins in order for us, again through baptism, to be reconciled to God, in order for us to be able to approach God, in order for us to be able to see God and, of course, to live eternally. This he promised in the beautiful beatitude from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This purity of heart becomes possible first only through Jesus himself, his cross and resurrection. He's making himself purification for sins. And then Christ, continually through his church, continues the work of purification, such as when we obey the words of St. Paul, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy, pure, acceptable to God. This also is what justified the publican, that tax collector, in the gospel reading this morning, a pure, humble, and contrite inner spirit, a clean and innocent heart acceptable before God, as opposed to the Pharisee who, on the outside, looked pure and righteous, but inwardly was proud and filthy, abhorrent before God. Let us heed the word of the Lord. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and all wickedness. 
You clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. In our baptism, we were given a completely pure, white, baptismal garment. Yet the battle for the preservation of its purity and of its effectiveness over death will continue until we depart from this temporary life. Through the sacrament of confession, Christ continues his work of the cleansing of our sins by his grace. Through the gift of tears, we call upon Christ to wash away our iniquities and to create in us once again a clean heart. Through Holy Communion, he purges away our sins and grants everlasting life. We are given the purity purchased for us by the very blood of our Savior. Preserve this purity, and death will indeed be our victory. Of course, this is not an easy path to take, and all of us know this very well. But following the purifying path of Christ means sacrifice as it did for the ermine and as it did for Jesus himself. Even if we do not suffer physical death as they did for this battle of purity, we might have to nail on the cross our pride, our passions, our weaknesses, all of our creature comforts. But with every strike of that nail, Jesus is there cleansing us from all the stains that those nails and that agony might cause. Having carried his cross first, he carved the clear path for us. And at the end of time, he will turn around and show his life-giving face to all of us who have followed him on that same path, on that same walk that he took. We only need to have the purity of heart to be able to see him and to see his face on that day. It would indeed be terrible if besides all of our efforts, we never got to see the face of our Creator because of our uncleanliness of heart. St. John Chrysostom put it this way and expresses his fear with these words. I would not mind the fires of hell as much as I would mind and not seeing the sweet face of Jesus. So remember the ermine as it escapes the filth that the hunter smears in its regular paths. It falls into the hunter's hands, thus realizing by being captured the purpose of its life, to keep itself clean and unspotted. Christ has given us our own spotless, pure garment at baptism, washed again by his own precious blood. And he himself continues to cleanse each of us through his church and through her holy mysteries and sacraments. We should pray that our own offering to Christ will be as pure and spotless as the offering we receive from him at baptism, so that on that eternal day, with the clear vision of a pure and contrite heart, we too shall see God and live. 
I close with these beautiful words of St. Gregor of Nyssa, brother of St. Basil the Great, in his treatise on virginity, where he says, Wherefore we would that you too should become crucified with Christ, a holy priest standing before God, a pure offering in all chastity, preparing yourself by your own holiness for God's coming, that you also may have a pure heart in which to see God according to the promise of God and of our Savior Jesus Christ, to to whom be the glory now and ever and to the ages of ages. Amen.